The Marriage Project is a community organization that exists to educate a future generation while encouraging and inspiring hope for this one through the portrait of God's design for marriage. It is a collective of stories from couples spanning across the nation and globe to share with you the hope they have found in Jesus. This is a one-stop shop to hear how God has impacted each life here and to shine light and shed light on what our part is in his plan. Welcome to another episode of the Marriage Project Podcast. This month, I'm joined by Clinton and Charity Munoz, who created a ministry called Restored to More. It birthed from their own story of dealing with healing and restoration after walking through a very trying season in their marriage. Restored to More was created to assist couples in rebuilding intimacy and to help women heal from betrayal trauma. They have a podcast, YouTube channel, and workbook as tools to help aid in educating and addressing addiction, trauma, and underlying issues. So I will let them take it from here because I'm sure they can fill in gaps um, in introducing (laughs) their ministry and themselves. So Charity and Clinton, thank you guys for being on the podcast. And can you guys introduce yourselves, tell us how long you've been married, and like I said, give us any parts I may have left out in that intro. Well, hello. Thank you so much for letting us be on this podcast. It's an honor for us. And um, as scary and uh, difficult it is to share our story, uh, we just we pray that we just continue to give God all the glory and just gives a lot of other couples and individuals hope. So anytime we are able to share that, uh, that's just what we we pray and hope for. And um, we've been married for six years. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that. I just want you to know that. Seven years. Oh Keep going. Gosh, Continue. Seven's Back to you. Way better number. <laughs> Seven's a way better number than six anyway. So, oh man, that is just marriage. I'm just not even trying this year because COVID and quarantine and everything. So that's why. That's why I said six. So we've been married um, apparently for seven years. <laughs> um. And we have three kids. I used to be able to say three under three, but our oldest just turned four. So we have a four-year-old, we have a two and a half-year-old, and we have a one-year-old. So they are so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was trying to think of a word and I'm like, "Mm, fun's a good one. And they're full of energy. They keep us on our toes and um, they are all boys. So it is busy, busy, busy. And we are located in Southern OC. Sunny Southern OC too. We have lots of sun here. We got a little intro to Clinton. You said hello in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Hey, I'm Clinton. I am Cherry's husband. We've been married for seven years. So I just want to say that. And uh, no, we've had a a crazy ride. That's for sure. We met, um, we got married really early. We were really young and early into our relationship. We met in August of 2012 and we're married by August of 2013. We were absolutely infatuated with one another once we started dating and and one thing led to another. And of course, you're going to hear more about our story, right? But um, I really overlooked the whole area of addiction and, and stuff that I was really dealing with even before getting married. And uh, I think too, what happens to a lot of guys is we, we get so infatuated with the girl that we're dating that it, it doesn't it isn't an issue for a little while. And that was definitely what happened in our story. And so I definitely also... Uh, minimized how strong the addiction was in my life. And once we got married, obviously things unfolded. Hence why we're here talking about our story of betrayal and trauma that was induced to charity and what happened in our story. But 
Um, and at the same time, God has done a mighty work in our relationship. So we're grateful to be on here. I, I love what you do, Alicia. It's so awesome on the marriage project and just everything you're doing to educate people on both sides, right? The married couples and the people that aren't married. We, we were just talking off air and we just love what you're doing. We're really stoked about how you're adding value to people because we just wish that we had more resources that could have prepared us for what the journey of marriage looks like and what godly marriages look like. And if a marriage is on the rocks, how to, how to help it. Every relationship is messy. Mm. So we're just grateful to be here and hopefully add some value to your listeners. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's true. I, I believe that God showed me in so many ways too, through other couples, godly examples of couples, um, what a marriage looks like honoring him. I didn't know what that meant. So mm. Thank you for including that part because, yeah, I, that is the heart behind this to help people who just don't know what they're walking into when they walk into marriage. And just if they hear one story or all the stories or however many of these stories, um, that it just lend hope to them and um, aid them in what they're walking through. So lending off of that, can you guys start to share, just go into part of your testimonies a little bit. You don't have to go super into it, but life before Christ to knowing Christ and then what God really has saved you from. And Clinton, you hinted to what um, you brought into your marriage and the realization of the addiction and how charity you discovered it. So I saw you guys have a podcast and I listened to them of his and her perspective. So Mm. kind of like that, but in a condensed format. I know you guys can probably share so much on this and people can go and listen to the full story on your guys's podcast. I'll link it for everybody, but just for the listeners here, um, just those Abs- testimonies. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in a, yeah. In a nutshell, basically um, I was, I, w- I definitely gave my life over to Christ at year, like seven years old and I was raised in the church. My dad was a pastor for a long time. And so I was consistent. I had, I had so much head knowledge of the Bible and at times I had really understood how much Jesus loved me, which really caused me to give my life over to him, even in junior high. Again, another surrender of, wow, I was really drifting away from what I believed I should be like and really what I believed I really wanted to be like. And and so I surrendered again. And it was this process in my life of consistent surrender and kind of getting back on track. But there was this con- also this consistent stronghold of sin that had gripped my heart from the age of 11 years old. And it became the drug of choice that I used to cope with life, which was pornography and masturbation. And that became a way for me to escape the ugly realities of life. I think every person at some point faces the ugly realities, the brokenness that that life has in it. And for me, that was what pornography did is it was an escape. It was a way to cope with life. And so, um, and even though I was saved, I, I prayed a thousand times for God to heal me and take it away. And and I really was looking for God to heal me instantaneously is what I really wanted. I just, you know, the cry of my heart was, God, I, I know the kind of life I want to live. And I know the kind of life I want to lead. And I want to live a life that is pure. I want to live a life that honors you. I want to live a life that glorifies you where I can be be this person that I know I was meant to be. And I, I just always felt like this addiction and pornography was just kept me in this in this pig pen, if you will, of, of this, this contrast to who I truly felt God created me to be. But I was so confused for the longest time at why God didn't just take it away, why God didn't just heal me instantaneously. And, and that's been a journey for me to work through, which you know, we share in other, other talks and podcasts and such. But, and then, you know, really once I started getting into programs and working on my addiction, I discovered that God, God, maybe, maybe instead of being so dependent that God changes me once and for all. Maybe God wanted me to discover daily dependence 
where I was consistently surrendering, where I was realizing that I could do nothing without his consistent grace in my life. And it was, it's there that I was able to find freedom. Not that I never had a one-time moment change everything. I never had a, a one breakthrough and then I never relapsed again. It, and unfortunately, or fortunately, maybe whatever the perspective is, but in my story, it was more of a consistent reliance on God that found, was able to find longer and longer lengths of freedom and more and more freedom in my life was a consistent coming to him and unwrapping the layers of my addiction and, and really working on my marriage and then being able to see myself as God sees me allowed me to see my wife and other people as God wanted me to see them as well. So good. Can I ask one question off of that? Was was it hard? Did you know when walking into marriage that you wanted to tell charity, but you just were ashamed to, or was it just not, you didn't think you, you said for a time you were infatuated with each other or you were infatuated with her and you felt maybe this took it, but then you realized later in marriage it, it hadn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think for sure. Um, and when we were, we were dating, we, we actually really tried to court one another and, and under, and really go through some different, almost like premarital work to make sure and even a Bible study and just some books we read and this topic came up. And so I just remember kind of like, I told her like, Hey, I want, you to know, like I used to start with pornography and I had even mentioned that on a missions trip, uh, I had used prostitution, um, mm-hmm. as the first form of sex that I ever had was, I was a virgin up until I slept with a prostitute. And I told her about that and it was this moment of brokenness and shame. And I was crying. And I think, and I don't know if I did it on purpose in a manipulative way in that moment. I may have. I'm not saying I didn't or didn't, but I just know that that story took up the the moment and the event. And so we just never brought it up again. I just didn't want to be like, also, I still struggle, but we had this moment. She's like, well, I just want you to know, like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm really sorry you had to struggle through that. And, and I think I just was like, well, this is great. Of course, I didn't want to lose the love of my life. Of course, I didn't want Charity to walk out. So I know for a fact that there's definitely a big part of me that thought if I tell her the whole truth that I still struggle with masturbation, I still struggle with pornography, she's going to walk out on me. She's going to leave. And so I shared just enough to where I felt good in sharing and just enough to where she knew that there was a past struggle there. So if it did ever arise, she would at least know there was a past issue there as well. And that was probably the way I justified not sharing the whole truth of what was really going on. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And Charity, if you want to share your side or your perspective and part of your testimony to to add on. Yes, I would love to. You know, I think too, um, I think there was a thought and belief, and correct me if I'm wrong, Clint, but um, there was this thought and belief that once we get married, it'll go away. Mm -hmm. The addiction Mm -hmm. will go away. And um, because that was advice that was given to him, you know, it was like, well, don't worry when you get married, you know, you're going to have unlimited sex. <laughs> it's pretty much, you know, like if we, before you get married, I think we just have this viewpoint of our, unfortunately, our generation is being educated on sex more from social media and movies and television than we are from elders or, you know, pastors of the church. And so True. we have this, we have this perspective that is just so fake. And we think that, you know, honeymoon sex is going to be incredible and nothing wrong is going to go in marital sex. And you just think like, it's just going to be amazing. And don't get me wrong. It is incredible. But at the same time, like there's a lot of 
<laughs> working things out in the bedroom that we had no idea we were ever going to need to discuss. And if people do not talk about this stuff, then you're walking into the bedroom blindly. And, and we both agree that we know the more research and education that we've done on this topic is pornography totally affects the the, the marriage bedroom and the images just don't go away. You know, when you're being intimate with your significant other, if anything, it heightens it. And, um, and now you're comparing things and, and so it totally affects a marriage bedroom. And we had no idea the depths that we were going to need to do to discover that, to work on that. And then to literally, um, change our definition and rewired of what marriage and sex look like. So, sorry, I just went on a tangent on that, but, um, no, definitely not my testimony. I just think, you know, before we were talking about like, you know, this is being, if people who are listening to this is for younger generations, then I wish I would have had um, more of a not so, you know, glossy fakeness of what I thought marriage and the bedroom was going to look like. So that just came out. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit. So yes, I can totally go into our, my, my side of the story and discovering everything. And, um, so yeah, I, I grew up, um, Christian and gave my life over to the Lord at the same time, seven, eight years old. So I think I don't really remember like life before Christ because I was pretty young, but I do remember living in sin and, um, and just like kind of going away from my faith and, and just not having a strong of a relationship, um, in, in college and, um, just trying to find my own way. And then came back, came back home and really was like, God, I want to date you. Like you're my number one. And I'm so grateful that I did that. At the end of the day, I was looking in all these different areas for fulfillment and unfortunately, like alcohol and partying and friends that are not pushing me in a more positive light, um, at the end of the day, do not fulfill me. And God, and once I came back and I really just got plugged into a church and small group again, I just got that longing fulfillment that I had always um, deep down wanted living in Christ. It just, it gives you so much freedom and it gives you just so much grace and gosh, I don't know what, I don't know what I would do without him. And I know our marriage today would not be, um, here intact if it was not for Christ. When a wife finds out addiction, it's one of the hardest things I had ever experienced. Nobody can prepare you for a trauma of who you thought your husband was, you know, the man that you said your vows in front of, to, you know, hundreds of people that said he was going to protect you, um, that he was going to keep you safe, you know, that you had prayed for, you know, I had prayed for my husband. I had prayed um, to God that he would give me a man that was strong in the Lord and was going to lead us and protect me and save me. And ultimately deep down, now that I have a strong relationship with Christ, I know that people are imperfect and my safety and protection is in Christ alone. But at the same time, we have this perception of that wedding day and what marriage is going to look like. And so, you know, we got married and, and then started just arguing a lot. And, and I remember him just being more short tempered with me. And again, the marriage bedroom was a frustration for us in the beginning. And, um, I didn't know why. And it kind of, you know, pornography kind of had spilled out here and there. But it wasn't until two years into our relationship when everything kind of hit the fan and I found a lot of stuff on his phone and emails and discovery. We call it D-Day. So discovery day happened and I was shocked. I mean, everything inside of me wanted to run away. I wanted to hit him. I 
I became this different person that I didn't even know was inside of me. And, and that was a really, really hard day. Uh, it was just, nobody can prepare you for that. When somebody discovers that your whole body just starts to shake, you go numb. I feel like I wanted to throw up. And I just remember this eroding of emotion of anger came over me. And I was like, who is this person? And I went over and thank goodness I grabbed a pillow, but he was sleeping and I just grabbed the pillow and I just started hitting him with it. And I was like, how could you, is this true? And, and he was so confused, but yet there was no denying it at this point. And, um, that was just discovery day was a really, really hard day. And I think there was a lot of trial and error for us because for us, we had no idea the extent of what pornography does to somebody. And, the brain. And the more we started getting educated, then the more we really realized how we could find healing and get help. But in that moment, we felt so lost and we felt like we we're the only ones who had gone through this. And so there was lots of shame when we realized that we needed to talk to somebody about it because nobody talks about this kind of stuff. Nobody talks about everybody. Normally the norm is guys have sexual needs and desires. And so, you know, we justify them viewing and looking at pornography. I mean, there's literally 400 or sorry, there's 40 million American people who regularly visit porn sites. That's absolutely insane. And pornography use increases the marital infidelity by more than 300%, but none of this is talked about. And so for us, we just, even though those stats are so alarming and they're so large, yet nobody openly talks about them. So we felt like we were the only ones. And so when we talked to people and started sharing our story with them, unfortunately, because there's a lack of education around pornography and addiction and trauma, um, they had pure hearts with the wrong intentions. And so we are being treated um, with a diagnosis that was just putting a Band-Aid over a, a deep, deep wound. And the, the wound is going to continue to bleed if it's not being um, treated properly. And so they gave us advice, but unfortunately, that advice just didn't help. And it only made things worse. And so we had to go through a lot of trial and error during that journey. You guys can now answer why and that you started to, Charity, of why Restored to More? Why you guys started this ministry? How you got there? I'm sure there was a lot of discussions you guys had to have. Or Mm -hmm. you can maybe share a little insight into what that looked like after. Like on your side, Clinton, like how did you handle charity discovering that that process of now talking about it was it awkward was it uncomfortable I'm sure and um, how this birth like how and when you guys started to talk about or you were at the point where you could create a ministry called restore to more and what you found the more is as you guys have been on this journey after this discovery yeah absolutely well it's a, it's a great question for sure and I just think you know, there was so much that went into that. You know, we the word restored has been close to Charity's heart for a long time. In fact, she had like written it down even like young, younger times in her life. And mm-hmm. and we just love that word. We believe that we don't, we're not, you know, the, this area and this issue is one that normally has so much shame around it. Mm-hmm. And even when I would talk to other men in the church and I sought out mentorship and even in Bible studies and I mentioned it, it was always this like, oh man, like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you struggle with that. Like, you know, you got to read your Bible more. You got to memorize more scripture or, you know, you got to really believe that Jesus can heal you. And for whatever reason, it w- they were normally just very shaming responses like, oh, something's wrong with me. And and because we believe in a, rest- a, rest- a restoring God, right? We don't believe in a God that just puts a bandit on and says, hey, you're good to go. We're not a God that just that just like 
heals just enough for you to function, but are the restoration of something that is completely broken and restoring it to a condition that is even better than it was before. It, it's a it's a better than before mindset. And the more of really restored to more is understanding that we, we wish we had the response that we give to people today. And that response is, I'm so glad you opened up about this. I'm so glad you let me in to your life and this issue, because now you can actually have a better life than you've ever had before. There, 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 this is, it is the closing of one thing. Chair and I will tell you that there is a grieving process of the relationship that we had. I mean, it's crazy, right? That, like she said, I, I was that hero. Charity gone through a lot of brokenness in her life. And when I married her, she believed that I was going to be the one to protect her and to come alongside her and to, and to never hurt her and never betray her and never leave her. And that idea of the entire relationship was dead. I mean, she had to literally dig a hole and bury it because that belief had to die. But it's what it, it's then planting something on top of that gravesite that is a thousand times more beautiful than what's underneath the dirt. And so that more is that our discovery and Charity discovering my addiction and how deep it was then and then again, even two years later, it was the best thing that could have ever happened for our relationship. Because once the, once like the darkness and the dirt was uncovered, now we could choose to invite God into our mess, have him come in the middle of who we are, in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our pain and our agony and our shame and our disgust and, and, and our mistrust and all those things and allow God to start healing us and building something back up. And so that's what we believe. We believe it, it is the end. It is the closing of a chapter, but it is not the end of the book. And, and it's the, it's the death of one thing, but it's actually the rebirth of something far greater than what we ever had. Discovery was the best thing that could have happened for our marriage because it allowed us to go forward with a transparent and trusting relationship. One that we never even knew how to have before discovery and before restoration, the whole process took place. That's so good. So your guys, your hearts, I love how you share on your website. It's, it's educating and equipping couples in this area of trauma and addiction. And you guys also have your podcast and it has some really great topics. I was wondering um, what some of your favorite topics that you guys have covered and maybe choosing one or two of those to address that spoke to you guys and talk a little bit more about those things here. And then one thing you guys have learned as you've been intentionally seeking to understand what healing really is like at its core and the nature of trauma, like how, what you guys have discovered together now. Yeah, I would, I'll talk about the education piece first. And just to go back into our story too, after D-Day was discovered two years into a relationship because of the advice we had received, there was a lot of trial and error and because it wasn't working, it just made things worse. So we hid in shame. So we were actually still hiding in shame. Um, just putting a bandaid on something that was much, much deeper that actually ended up um, continually happening another two years. So I like to say we had a D-Day number two, um, four years into our marriage. And that's actually when denial broke for Clinton and for me, um, which sounds crazy because you're like, how could you be in denial, Charity? Well, I was in denial that his addiction was affecting me. And the reason why I was in denial is because nobody was talking to me and addressing my pain and understanding the, the validation of all the hurt and the lack of safety that I had felt in our relationship for the past four years. Um, because we, we justify as a society that pornography is okay and that men just do it and they, they are sexual beings. And so when um, someone looked me in the eyes and asked Clinton this question that broke denial 
instantly for me and him, which is so cool that God can do that. She asked the one simple question to my husband. She said, Clinton, how does it feel knowing that you've cheated on your wife over and over and over again, you know, hundreds of thousands of with of women um, in, in the time frame of you guys being married for four years? And my Clinton respondent was like, well, technically I didn't have intercourse. And she's like, I'm going to ask that question again. She said, how does it feel knowing that you've cheated on your wife? And he just broke and God broke his heart and he looked at me and I was bawling because for the first time somebody had seen me and that it was hurting me. Like him looking at other women, him acting out, like, of course that is going to affect me. I would be in denial if I thought that that stuff wasn't affecting me and affecting our marriage bed and sex. And, um, it was really just this defining moment for both of us to realize, okay, we both need help. And that was the defining moment for us to get educated on our pain. And that actually led us to healing. It's like, okay, we really need to understand what's going on here. There's a bigger picture here. There's an addiction here that we need to understand. And and so me understanding Clinton's addiction really normalized my pain and my feelings. Uh, It really helped me realize um, that I wasn't part of the problem. Um, Once I realized about his addiction, I realized that I couldn't be the one to fix his problem. Like no matter what I did, no matter if we had more sex, um, if we spice things up, a lot of different advice that people had tend to give us that was not going to solve the issue and hadn't solved the issue up until that point. So I really realized that this was Clinton, his addiction and his problem. And I, once I was taken out of it, oh my gosh, it gave me so much healing for what Clinton was going through and growing through. And then it gave me space to realize, okay, how has this affected me? And I realized the trauma that had happened and, um, and that it, I was just, I, the, my actions of being crazy and looking through the computer and looking on his phone all the time and having high anxiety was just because I was trying to create a sense of safety because my whole world felt unsafe. And And so it just really normalized the pain and um, the suffering that we had gone through. So education is so key for healing on both ends. That was amazing. It's kind of caught up what you were saying. (laughs) We're just jaw dropped. (laughs) Yeah, that was really good. So true. And I I think, yeah, I mean, just to add to that, as far as what I understood, is that right? What I was understanding is what was going on. Mm-hmm. there's so much that we've learned. There's so much that we've had to understand. And there's so much that there's still, in my opinion, still is to learn. We still, we don't ever want to come off that we have arrived completely. And there's still things that we're always discovering. Um, for me, what I have had, what I've had to understand is that, you know, getting sober and really living without addiction is only the first step to having a healthy relationship and having a healthy marriage. And we we need to, as a, as a guy struggling with addiction, we need to understand how to not cope with the broken parts of our life and the broken things and broken realities of what we're facing every day. But, but getting sober doesn't build trust. It, I mean, it, it doesn't right away build trust. Things have to happen on top of that. In addition to that, it, does, it definitely doesn't build intimacy. Like Cherry said, realizing that they're being able to admit, okay, this, this addiction is affecting us in our marriage bed, but it also is greatly affecting our ability to be intimate. I mean, you can't have intimacy. You know, you've probably heard intimacy being said into me, you see, mm-hmm. and you cannot have intimacy if there is a hidden secret that is, uh, that is really 
what's the word, encroaching into every area of our life. I mean, I was consistently worried about Charity finding something else. I was consistently looking over my shoulder, hoping she wasn't going to say something. You know, whenever she would be like, hey, babe, I was like, here it is. And then it was like, hey, can you get dinner? And I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, it wasn't that. But that's a consistent. Uh, and so to be to be done with that was amazing. But it didn't mean that our intimacy got rebirthed right away. So what I've discovered is that there are things that men have to do in addition to becoming sober that that really build that back up. You know, there's we've done a lot of reading and there's like over 12 different kinds of levels of intimacy. And so we talk a lot about this and and we had to understand how to re, how to build our our not only our sexual intimacy, that was going to come in time, but our even just our spiritual intimacy and our physical intimacy and our intellectual intimacy and and the intimacy of having fun together, recreational intimacy. And we had to understand how do we build these back into our life because for a long time our relationship was like a desert. We were just starving for connection. And we had a pseudo joy. We had this fake joy because there was no transparency in the middle of it. So learning how to how to rebuild that into our relationship is is really the part of again having more. It's the part of actually having a marriage today that's flourishing, that's thriving, is because not only is addiction not present, but we've understood how to come alongside each other in these other ways. So good for Clinton and I. You know, it was restored to more. We both just felt like there was just so much more that God wanted to do in us and through us. Mm, yep. And that our God is the God who is a healer. He is a victor. And I mean, there's promises in the Bible that says like, I, I love first Peter five ten because it's really what our ministry is birthed on, but it says in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. And don't get me wrong, like in the beginning of our restoration process, it is hard because we are literally talking about digging into deep roots and rebuilding something. And um, it, it, repairing something, It, I mean, if you even think about surgery or you, know, you have a broken bone, you're going to go in there and it's going to take work to you know move things around and, and to get some stitches and um, it hurts. It is not easy. But when you can rebuild something, it's going to be stronger than where you were in the beginning. And Clinton and I just, we both just had this deep desire when we would be going to groups and we'd be going to programs um, in our restoration process. Like we know that God created us for more than this. Like we yeah. don't need to be stuck in a group, yeah. um, you know, for 20, 30 years of our life. I really believe yeah. that we give God glory when, yes, we go through a restoration process and we get it defined, but God has so much more for us. He has so much more for our individual uh, relationships and for our marriage and that we can learn how to have an amazing sex life. I mean, our, our bedroom, um, we had to redefine what the marriage bedroom looked like for us. And because God loves marriage, he loves sex. He wants, that is where he gets the most glory is in a marriage where he can point out a couple and say, that is what I intended my relationship to look like with you. And so we believe that. And did it take work? Yes. Is it still taking work? Yes. But we just really believe that God had and is restoring us to so much more. And it takes a lot of growth, like Clinton was talking about, and a lot of learning of different levels of intimacy. But we knew that that's what God had called us to. So that's really what restored to more means and where it came from. I love that. That's so good. I love the first Peter verse too that you read. That's so good. Mm -hmm. 
when you said that, this is kind of an off on a tangent question, but your restoration process, did you guys, how did you guys finalize that? Or how did you guys decide like, we're going to go do this, like do the programs or go to counseling? Did you guys go to counseling? How did that part look just really briefly? Clinton started um, attending different programs and small groups and really getting into a 12 step and getting a sponsor and getting a therapist that was um, specialized in SA, which is sexual addiction. And um, he started getting help individually because I was still in a little bit of denial. Like I just thought like, man, when he fixes his problem, then we'll be fine. And what we both realize is that just because you have sobriety, it doesn't mean that that's going to create intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so we realized that there was stuff that I needed to deal with. And so I started then going to a therapist and, and doing different programs and groups and stuff like that. You know, I think too, Alicia, like there's no one process that works for everybody. Yeah. There's there's so many programs. There's some great programs out there for men and for women. And we we were in our own programs and and so it was it was good. There was definitely some healing. But really what happened for us in the restoring our relationship part was it was like Cherry said earlier, it's a lot of just trial and error. You know, there wasn't anybody guiding us. Yeah. There wasn't another couple that was saying, Hey, here's some things that we did that were helped us build trust. And then going from trust to intimacy. Um, and we, here's how you create a safe place in your home. We really didn't have a lot of that. In fact, what we found is a lot of groups focus more on individual healing versus restorative healing as a couple. And that was really where the need of our ministry was birthed. It was the it was the idea that we felt God was calling us to start something that we wish we had because we really wish we had another couple that could be on our journey with us and say, hey, read this book together and do this Bible study together and, and do this and, and pray through these things. And and again, the things that Chair and I did and things we offer don't, it's not like a one size fits all for every relationship at all. But we, that was really where it started was the idea that we needed somebody to come alongside us. And so we did a lot of things that were not, we really weren't, weren't really told to do. We just found out, well, this helped. And so we started building a curriculum that we're working on right now um, for couples in the restoring their relationship part after they really are willing to do help on themselves. I think you have to start with self. I think you really have to start with my own self and share with herself. But then after you kind of get getting some ground in that area, then it's, wow, okay, let's start working on us as a unit together. Because there's so many opportunities for a couple to come together during the restoration process. And what we have tended yeah, to found right. is there's a lot of different programs for individuals, but this circumstance that has totally blown up your relationship is already putting you on two different planets. Sure. And so how can we get this couple to get back on the same planet and start relating in, in areas again? How can we rebuild trust again? How can we, you know, even talk to each other because there's so much pain and hurt, you know? And so there's a lot of trial and error for Clinton that we had during our restoration process because we were two hurting people, yet we wanted to have a thriving marriage, but we didn't even know what that looked like. And we didn't even know what our roles were. You know, in, in the beginning, it was so confusing. I remember thinking that I was supposed to be his accountability partner. And because I'm a supportive, submissive wife that, you know, that that's being taught in the Bible is, hey, you know, submit to your husband. But there's no blueprint in, in the Bible that says, hey, when your husband has, you know, sexual addiction, this is what you're going to want to do. All I knew is how to be a cheerleader up to that point. But when you're in so much pain, what does that role look like? Yeah. And I thought I had to share everything. 
I was like, okay, now that I've shared with her my addiction, I need to share everything. So I started just bombarding her with information that I was learning and discovering. And, oh my gosh, this is a struggle. And, oh my gosh, Chair, I understand why pornography was such a big stronghold. Well, that's not always healthy, right? It's not always healthy to do all of that when she is facing her own trauma and hurt and pain. So we learned a lot, but unfortunately we didn't have a guide. It was like, oh, don't do that. And, oh, this worked. So, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I'm still catching up. You know, I'm yeah. sure. I like, wait a second. Hang on. Let me process yeah. the last three things that, yeah, that have happened here. Wow. Well, your guys's podcast has some really great topics. I know I asked this in kind of a lot. I asked it bundled in with another question, but just maybe a topic that you guys have talked about that could intrigue people to go and listen or one of your favorite episodes you've recorded so far that you found like the most helpful. I know you guys have had a couple guests or a few guests on now on your podcast. When did you guys start this ministry too? How long ago was it? Was pretty recent or? Yeah, um, we actually launched our ministry in August. So it has been really recent. Yeah. <laughs> and God has opened up the doors like floodgates. <laughs> I'll I'll take that and just say it is tough because we've had some incredible people on our podcast and we have been super graced with them answering questions and everyone talks about such different topics mm-hmm. that it definitely is hard to pick one because what relates to me is not the one Charity pick or mm-hmm. the one a hundred other guys would pick because they all hit on different topics and there's different stuff. I'll just answer quickly that for me, it was amazing to hear about experiencing uh, Jesus and really experiencing God in a new way. The understanding that I think as a Christian, our head knowledge um, is never going to make a difference in our addiction or the way we are supposed to treat our wives until we experience God in a new way. And I, I forget the quote, Charity, you were telling me it yesterday, but what is it? No amount of knowledge. What, go ahead. Yeah, um, our guest said, no amount of logic is going to be able to help you when you're in deep pain. So and that was by Dr. Carl Lehman. And so it's just really cool to to listen to some of those podcasts. And for me, that's been really powerful as well as I think some others listen to that. So well, I think because when you're in, when Clint was in addiction, you know, he was sometimes in so much pain and, and a lot of shame. And so when, when we heard that quote, we're like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense as to why, like when people would say, just memorize Bible verses. Bible verses are great, but at the same time, you know, no matter the amount of logic, you can read all the books in the world, but when you are in such a a deep amount of pain and shame, the logic just doesn't even make sense. You're like, please don't even like tell me that right now. Can you just feel with me, feel my deep pain? And probably for the the wives as well, right? When the church is like, just forgive him. You know, the Bible says to forgive, Chair, forgive your husband. You're like, you know what you're supposed to do, but- when you're in that much pain, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. What, what about for you, Cheryl? What would you say? Um, I would say uh, realizing the importance of joy. Um, that has really been detrimental um, that we've been able to apply in our relationship, um, in our restoration process with our kids, um, just realizing how important joy is and that it can really increase your emotional capacity for trials. And it turns on your relational circuits. And when your relational circuits are on, um, you know who your identity is. And so why for me that was so pivotal and important is because when you're on a restoration process, you're going to experience triggers. Triggers just happen and they arise. You can't control triggers. They just happen. 
And so what triggers normally do is they turn your relational circuits off, which means you go into panic mode, you go into high anxiety and you feel like unsafe. And so you start shaking and you just, you start becoming just a different person. And so for me, education is just so important. And so when I realized the power of, oh my gosh, okay, my relational circuits are off right now. A trigger just arrives. I'm acting all crazy. I'm going to high anxiety mode. That means I need to do anything possible to get my relational circuits back on so I can start thinking clearly so I can get through my day. And so for me, I realized, wow, you know, what are things that are going to turn my relational circuits on? And so um, starting to apply those so that I can get back to safety and I can remind myself, okay, now I can start thinking clearly. Now I can start talking clearly. And now I can be reminded of who I am in Christ and where our marriage is going and headed in Christ. Amen. That was so <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, you covered, I feel like just in a beautiful summation of your journey. Um, like I said, if people want to hear more, they can go to your guys's podcast where there's so much content and there'll be more flooding in, I'm sure as you're growing this ministry. So where can listeners find you guys on Instagram, website, all of that? Our website is restored, the number two, more.com. And then we also have our podcast, which is restored number two, more. And then we also have an Instagram and a Facebook and a YouTube channel. And all of those are restored with the number two more. We send out weekly newsletters every Friday. Um, we do uh, vlogs once a week and we talk about a topic from his side and her side with that different perspective on um, addiction and healing and intimacy and trauma. And um, and we, we release one episode a week on our podcast. Well, thank yeah, you guys super excited. for your service in this area. I feel like this is just, I'm excited to watch it grow and see and hear the testimonies of people that you guys are going to come alongside and help and the education part, just so needed. So I am just mm-hmm. so glad to have connected with you guys and connect people on this platform to you guys and just can't wait to see how God's going to use this ministry. Well, thanks again, Alicia, for having us. We're super grateful to be on the podcast with you on The Marriage Project. Again, just love what you're doing. Really excited for all the people you're impacting. And man, just don't stop. Do mm-hmm. not stop what you're doing because you are adding value like crazy. And again, we just wish that we had a resource like what you're producing and creating. So God is using you mightily in amazing ways. And please don't forget that at all. Well, thank you, Clint. That just gives me my charge. Like I was like, where am I going to go in 2021? Do I keep going? But now I'm like, yeah, I have to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. You're such a blessing. Be sure to follow on Instagram at The Marriage Project Co. Or check out the website, www.themarriageproject.co, to see all the photos that accompany each testimony behind each matrimony. And be sure to subscribe for the community newsletter to get each episode sent directly to your inbox.